This show is for adults, and this episode in particular is not for delicate ears. There's very little spectacular about a different tongue. I mean, occasionally there is, but mostly that's like dedication and respect. And if you aren't listening to my no, you probably don't have enough respect. Hi there, and welcome to What Excites Us, the show that discusses sex and sexuality throughout time and place, including the here and now. This episode is a chat with my dear friend, Sean, about his journey going from a stone butch lesbian to where he is now some 30 years later. We discuss what the term stone butch means, growing up a queer kid in Vermont, where his identity has landed these days, some basic grinder etiquette, and so much more. Sean truly is one of my very best friends, and so the original conversation is much longer, with lots of fun tangents and giggles. If you would like to listen to the whole hour and a half in its unedited glory, and it's really fun, I invite you to subscribe to my Patreon, which you can find only by typing the full page in your browser bar. And that URL is patreon.com slash what excites us. And I would like to remind you to please subscribe to the show if you haven't already so you don't miss a single episode. They are released every other Friday. This episode of What Excites Us is brought to you by me. I'm Gwyn Isaacs, and besides being your podcast host, I'm a certified sex coach and educator. And right now, I have some openings for text-based clients. I love coaching over email and text. It allows you to be open and vulnerable in ways that may feel too difficult in person, which lets us tackle the concerns you have at your own pace. Very few of us were taught how to have sex. Most of us are feeling our way through the dark, hoping we get it right. I can help you build skills in the bedroom and navigate your intimate relationships. I have two ways you can sign up to start texting with me right away. When you go to earthlydesire.com coaching, you will find a weekly subscription for daily correspondence and a way to schedule a live one-hour text chat visit earthlydesire.com to start on your path of more pleasure today. You deserve it. Hi, Sean. Welcome to What Excites Us. Thank you so much for being here and for being my first civilian interview. Wow, I'm a civilian. That's cool. I wouldn't put you in the normies category, that's for sure. Oh, right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm not... But you're not like a sex educator out there working the beat. I am not, though I did just change my grinder profile to no means no. (laughs) And so I might become a grinder consent educator or I'll uninstall it for a while. (laughs) So thanks for having me. Yeah. So who are you? (laughs) So anyway. Oh, hey, I'm Sean. Tell us about yourself. (laughs) Uh, and uh, I'm uh, I'm Sean, and I like to do those Sean things. No, I got this. Uh, 
I can do my kick intro. I'm 50. I'm an FTM. Uh, <laughs> I live in New York City, Brooklyn, to be specific. I'm disabled. I have different disabilities. Not, you know, clearly I don't have three of the same disability. <laughs> I mean, uh, I hadn't thought about this part. How do you identify? Uh, how do I identify? I identify as a non-binary trans mask person. Mm-hmm. I don't, I hate that masculine thing. I don't feel like I'm terribly masculine, but I also don't feel like I'm terribly feminine. And if I had to pick one, I would pick masculine because I'd rather try for that because I spent my childhood trying to be feminine. And wow, did that not work out clearly? Uh, what pronouns do you use? Oh, I uh, he, him. And almost... what the hell is a stone butch? Oh, a stone butch is a, well, so way back in, you know, like around the 50s. So it could include the 40s or the 30s, a little earlier and 60s, 70s. And even now people still use the term butch and femme. Uh, But in uh, what was then called lesbian community or perhaps gay or homosexual women's community, if they ever put those words together, a lot of people used this sort of, um, I'd say, like flirting and coupling uh, dynamic or uh, ritual called butch femme, which on the surface looks a bit like copying heterosexuality. But it's truly not. I don't think it is, at least. A butch, especially a butch woman, is someone more masculine than a woman of the time is, uh, like, quote unquote, allowed to be. And I guess, like, in that sense, as a masculine woman identifying person, I felt pretty comfortable calling myself masculine. But, like, now that I get seen as a man, I don't feel as comfortable calling myself masculine. That's a whole, that's another podcast, though. So a stone butch is a butch queer woman, I think in today's parlance would be a little better, um, who does not choose to receive sexual or physical attention. More sexual than just physical, like they tend to, you know, we could be cuddly, but first and foremost did not receive penetrative sex ever, like never got fucked. And probably it shook out, I didn't take my clothes off. For most of my time as a stone butch, I didn't take my jeans off. I didn't take my boots off for a lot of the sex that I had, actually. And occasionally I would even leave my baseball cap on, which now there's a whole like fraternity porn industry that's centered around dudes with a lot of privilege and backwards baseball caps having gay sex, which I think is hilarious. So a stone butch isn't on the receiving end. So back when I was kind of really into my my butch identity was the late 80s, early 90s. The way that I saw it, it seemed very common that butches dated femmes and pretty much only were just seeing the beginnings of like butch on butch and of course femme on femme, lest I forget. Uh, And I think now it's just kind of called, you know, sex. (laughs) (laughs) which I think is a real, I think it's real good progress, actually. Like, you know, rather than like butch on butch, it's, it's just sex, which is cool. So femmes were often the people who received the sexual attention. 
God, it's so hard to talk about like that far back in the days because there was so little talk about consent and limits. And like we all often we would start out our like sexual negotiation on a dance floor somewhere while like completely trashed. And oh, boy. Wait, you you had sexual negotiations back then? Because I sure didn't. Sort of. I mean, I mean, well, I at least had the, you know, you want to come home with me. And that was about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Oh, I can't imagine saying to someone, you know, like, oh, man, I had this great hookup. We were totally trashed. And then somehow we got from the club to my place. (laughs) And then, you know, like four hours later, like we're both bruised and smoking a cigarette. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. It still happens. There are there are plenty of folks who still engage that way. I am. I'm sure shifting. I, I am, too. Yeah. I mean, even if we could just have like like some drunken words of like, you know, what won't you do? Or, you know, is there anything that you won't do or is there anything that you really want? Or, yeah. Yeah. Some words words are are Mm -hmm. definitely helpful. And that is also a topic for another podcast. Another podcast. I digress all the time. Oh, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So. So back in the day, so back in the day, 80s and 90s, were you Mm -hmm. identifying as a lesbian yet? Yeah. In like 1989 ish. Okay. I came out somewhere and I went to Outright Vermont. Yay, Outright Vermont. Woohoo, Outright. Yeah. They started right around then, like right around 1989. I remember I was that initial like group of young queers. So when when anyway. you came out, were you already identifying as stone? Certainly you were both. I don't think so. I was. Okay. Yeah. Once I don't remember exactly when I learned about Butch as a term. Gotcha. But as soon as I did. Yeah. Oh, that was me. Do you remember how you I, like identified yourself? Like, for instance, I was a part of the Dyke Squad and people use that mm-hmm. to be really rude. And I was like, yeah, no, fuck that. That's awesome. I'm totally the Dyke Squad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I remember nobody really had a lot of reclamation vibe going on. I think Vermont gets like social and political trends a little bit later. We certainly did before the Internet. We probably still do even with the Internet, like just a little bit later. But yeah, but this was yeah, like so I think it was like an interesting kind of coincidence that I, like a very butch kid, uh, came out at a time when like the rest of the country, uh, the rest of the United States at least was kind of done with butch femme. Like there were still some people who lived the life, but there weren't a lot of like young kids identifying that way, except a whole bunch of us in Vermont did. (laughs) And so, yeah, so I got I got a weirdly like 1950s oriented kind of view of of what being gay and female was. I think I like I also feel like a lot of my early 
social uh, life, as well as like sexual and dating and romantic, uh, was really about learning like what normal people did and just doing my best to do what everybody else did in some way. And so since a lot of other people were doing butch femme, so it was a little bit easier for me to do butch femme. Uh, and, um, and like, you know, normal people had sex, so I had to want to eventually have sex. And I put it off for a while saying that I wanted to wait until like I knew it was a really significant thing. And I just there wasn't anybody in high school that I thought about that way <laughs> kind of a thing. But really, I was terrified of sex. Gosh, probably into my 30s, honestly. Um, I mean, that's assuming that I'm not terrified of sex now. I don't know. It's all kind of terrifying. When you first heard the term stone, were you like, oh, that's me? think so you know it might have been that the first time I heard of stone especially stone butch was with the book stone butch blues but I can't have been I have to but but then again stone butch blues came out kind of early in my life I it's March 1993 yeah so stone butch blues oh uh Leslie Feinberg an amazing uh, stone butch uh, socialist activist, wonderful human who's passed away. Stone butch blues is a little bit sad because it's very much about feeling like an outsider and kind of being an outsider. One of the things I think that was probably one of the bigger tragedies about uh, stone butches in like the, I'd say, probably pre-80s, is that um, they didn't really open up to a lot of people. Like they were like kind of like your stereotypical, like macho stoic dude. That makes me a little sad to think about like how many people just held so much like grief inside because you don't walk around pre-1980s you know, looking like a dude with breasts and not incur some hostility or a whole lot of hostility. I mean, I lived through some of the hostility being in Vermont in the 80s, even though it was starting to go away. But I feel like it happens less. So when you found the term and you decided that you identified as that, what did that give you? Gosh, I feel like it gave me armor you know, I mean, I pro- I had armor already, but it was like refinement. Like I had, uh, I had something that I could hold on to, you know, and just be like, "This is me," and somebody else knows who I am on a level that they don't even know need to know that I exist to know that this is who I am. And I don't think I'd ever really felt like that before. That makes I, a yeah, lot of sense. Probably yeah. spent a great deal of my life just you know, like walking up to people. I mean, this is much more of a metaphor, but walking up to people and saying like, do you get me? (laughs) Did you feel like you had, did it give you a voice? Like, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it gave me a community of people who did not perform gender the way we were told to. In 1993, I was in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I hung out at a bar called the 19 bar. I think it might still be there, 
But the only place to go in the early 90s, if you were queer, really was a bar. I met other stone butches there at the 19 bar. Through them, I learned about this thing called Vulva Riot, which was amazing. It was an open mic night, basically. Not open mic. It was a curated community like kind of talent show, though there were no winners or losers. We were all winners. I'd already met my on again, off again, romantic person. I don't know what to call them anymore because we both have transitioned in our own directions, though we started out as lesbians. I don't I think we're both not (laughs) anymore. Excellent. (laughs) But even like early in my transition, so I started my like personal gender journey. I mean, really, my personal gender journey started way before I even knew what a gender journey might be because I didn't have any of those words. I'd watched Maud, which I think is kind of hilarious that I'm going to bring up Maud as like a shining example of trans awareness because <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was a gay man who played a transvestite. Like that's the word they used for yeah. him. Yeah. And I think I don't even I don't think his role could be created today or even really recreated. I think he'd have to either be like a really clear drag queen who was like, I'm a man and this is performance and it's my job or a trans woman who's like, I'm a woman. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, I don't I don't know if there'd be a whole lot of room to to blur lines with that kind of a character ever again. Because also they just they didn't have the right lines blurred, I think, back at, back then. Like right. they just we didn't have enough definition to even blur lines. No, not at back all. Back then we were. There were barely lines and it just, was good if there was a smudge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were all just kind of stumbling around in the dark trying to figure all this out. Yeah. So can I ask a nosy question? Sure. When you were having sex, did you enjoy it? In a way, it depends on how you define enjoy it. Mm. Um, I had a good time. I got good at what I did, which is fuck. I got good at, at that. I got good at fisting. It sounds like you gained pleasure from gaining skills. Mm-hmm. Did you also have enjoyment in the act? I think so. I I didn't feel like sexual pleasure. Like I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't very connected to my body at the time. This was right about the time that I'd started realizing that I was disabled and started looking up like, what could it be? And it was also right around the beginnings of naming and acknowledging fibromyalgia. And though today I wonder if what I have is not fibromyalgia, but some other stuff that can easily get misdiagnosed. Uh, that's a whole other podcast, too, right? At least one or two more. At least. When did you stop identifying as Stone Butch? What led to the shift? And when did um, that happen, do you think? I fell in love with a person who self identified as a girl. So I will say I fell in love with a girl who ended up being toxic and abusive 
but one of her rules for being in a relationship with her was that I had to stop being stone butch and be open to receiving sexual attention. And also she talked about being stone butch as like just an in general closing myself off to people and being emotionally unavailable. And so it was the rule to be emotionally available. It was a big part of the relationship that if we had sex, I was supposed to be fully naked the whole time, which was quite a shift for me. And I've gone back to not being fully naked anymore. (laughs) Now it's like, I'll, I'll disrobe if I, you know, someone needs to access something. Otherwise, I don't know. It depends on the person. Just to be really clear, in case anybody else is thinking like, hey, my romantic friend person asked me for that, but I don't feel comfortable with it. But this dude seems to be like just fine. I don't think it was a great way for me to stop being stoned. No, Um, that seems really, really awful. Yeah. You were forcibly, I mean, you were, you, we can't do this unless you do this. Yeah. It felt that's it, yeah definition of of fucked up in this yeah. manipulative, <laughs> I think, is one of the words that works. Yeah. 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 And the whole the whole relationship wasn't great. But I'd say that's another podcast, but I don't think I'll ever really talk about that like in public, so to speak, because um no, that's no, we don't. It's need not that's worth fine. the the trouble that that disclosing abuse tends to bring. Unfortunately, in my life, when I have said so and so hurt me, it's almost always blown back on me twice as hard. So, I'm so sorry you have had to I suffer have, through that. That is some bullshit. Luckily, I have a therapist. Yay, therapy. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when you guys broke up, you didn't go back to using that terminology. What, what was different for you? Yeah. Well, when I entered the, I don't, we're just going to call the like shitty relationship that I realized that there is like a type of privilege and a level of privilege where it's easy to get fooled and to think like, well, I'm getting this like nicer treatment because I deserve it clearly. But it's really just that you look like a white man. That's all it is. And uh, please, nobody try to tell me that white men in general have earned a higher level of privilege because. Nah. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that yeah, will just not a be total disagree. On my podcast, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is, I mean, individuals happening. can earn, They'll like you know, acclaim and whatnot, but whole groups of people tend not to, like you know, earn <laughs> oppressor level privilege. Yeah. yeah. So I felt really uncomfortable with that. One of the agreements that we made, one of the demands that she made, that I agreed to, was um, also that I detransition and I go back to being a woman, mm. which was much harder than I thought it was going to be. Like, I really thought I was just going to walk around and say to people, no, 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 I'm female. It's all good. And people would respond like, oh, OK, miss, you know, no problem. And um, no, 
like people fought me on it. They're like, you're obviously a dude. Shut up and all of this stuff. And so it kind of felt like I was transitioning all over again. Oh, how awful. Yeah, it was it was bad. But then I left. So I went back to calling myself uh, Butch, but not Stone Butch, because part of the agreement was that I not be Stone. When I left that relationship, it took me at least a few years to come back to FTM identity and talking about it. I think easily since I had top surgery, but probably earlier than that, that was 1998. I just thought of my gender as trans and FTM being an acronym for female to male. There was an organization in the 90s that defined FTM as people who were assigned female at birth, but may not feel like that's complete or accurate description of who they are. And usually the pronouns were more like we, because we were defining ourselves. So we're like, you know, we were labeled this at birth, but don't feel like that's accurate or a complete description of who we are. And by that definition, FTM could include everyone from a butch lesbian, a soft butch lesbian even, all the way to your FTM who doesn't, who just identifies as a man because, you know, he was a man. He was just born with some, some wrong parts. Just got to get those parts exchanged. I like that. I really like that definition of FTM. It never stuck. I think a lot of people who identify as FTM are assumed to identify as man or male. And I don't super identify as that, but I don't not either. They'll often say that I look like a man because I do, but I don't usually say like, you know, as a man, I feel kind of stuff because I just don't think I'm not that good at being a man which is fine. I'm not trying to be good at being a man. I think if I tried, I'd probably be fine at it. <laughs> That's yeah, absolutely. I mean, I got the baldness down. Uh, <laughs> that was that was a that was a skill I honed over the past decade or so. <laughs> so, did you decide that you liked having sex where you were the receiver? I decided that I wanted to work on my own emotional and physical availability for myself. That's brilliant. So, yeah. I wish more people felt that way. What, whatever, wherever, mm -hmm. whoever you are in your world, if you decide to work on your own yeah. physical and emotional reality for yourself, <sighs> I, I think that that's a yeah. great thing. Yeah. And I so mean, where are you now? Oh, I don't know. It's I mean, so I left that relationship like 13, 13 years ago now, 2008. And um, I'm like a year or so. No, I'm two years into uh, like a post regular anonymous grinder hookup life. I did that for probably three years. And in those hookups, would you give and receive? Uh, sort of. Sometimes. The, well, the, the best way to like advertise yourself for sex on Grindr is to either identify as like top, bottom, or versatile. And uh, back then I said that I, I, I think I, I said that I wanted to bottom. I'd never actually said that I identify as a bottom, but 
that's a that's a that's a nitpick for another podcast. <laughs> oh, that's for the that's the like OCD episode. <laughs> <laughs> should totally have one of those. I should absolutely oh, yeah. do an OCD episode. Yeah. I, I'm just now thinking, like, do I know anyone with a tidying kink? And what could I just scatter all over the floor if they get in trouble? Like, oh, that's bad. <laughs> yeah. Like, just empty my silverware tray, like, boom, onto the floor. Because then they'd probably have to clean them, too, because yeah. they just touched the floor. Yeah. Whew. Yeah, in a Brooklyn apartment for sure. Yeah, that's awful. That's terrible. I'm a bad, bad person. No, you're not. You're <laughs> a sadist, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I like to come up with punishments that, you know, actually punish, you know, not like I'm going to punish you by doing this thing that you really enjoy. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Again, this is another <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Again, another podcast. Yeah, I mean, another episode, a whole nother show. I wonder if people be like, we want to hear all those episodes that you and Sean were taunting. (laughs) I hope you do. If you feel that you want to hear any of these episodes and have Sean and I babble again, please let me know. Because if you haven't noticed by now, one of my very good friends, and I'm happy to get on the mic and babble (laughs) with them all day long. Yeah, we babble a bit. And we we've hardly ever done it in front of microphones, though. No, it's well, it's mostly just been in a room. Yeah, I mean, because no, at GDR, we were both music DJs. Yeah. 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 I mean, and we were hardly ever in the booth together, even really. Right. Right. Or, or if we were, well, I'm going to start blushing because now I'm remembering being a music director. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Hey folks, do you know that What Excites Us has a Patreon account? Well, we do. Are you familiar with Patreon yet? It's a great way to directly support the people who enhance your life. There are artists, writers, podcasters, as well as many other types of creators and conversation makers who could use your help to continue to do great work, including me. You see, I love making this show and yet I still need to earn a living. When you contribute to creators, they can keep producing the work you enjoy. And when you do become a patron of a creator, your membership almost always involves perks. For instance, for only $6 a month, you get to hear the episodes of What Excites Us without any ads like this one. You will be invited into our private Facebook group, and you can message me from inside the Patreon app. If you love the show and can afford to support us, for $99 a month you get all the perks, many of which I haven't mentioned, including live, regular video chats with me. No matter what level you come in on, you will have my undying appreciation and gratitude. And if you are among the first 15 people to join, you will get a never-expiring coupon code for an extra 20% off your first merch purchase even if you come in on the level that already has 20% off. Merch is coming soon, I promise. So come join me on Patreon 
and tell me what excites you. So today, mm-hmm. you don't identify as stone. No, no, I, I don't know. I'm sort of not stressing about, you know, what my position is. I have a boyfriend who is super nice and respectful and does like sex things to me that I really enjoy. And having experienced sexual attention that I actually enjoy and that I crave, I find that I just don't want the other stuff anymore. I'm really kind of over it. So I spent those three years bottoming to mostly cisgender men, and most of it was barebacking. And it's actually a little astonishing that I'm still HIV negative. It's not that astonishing because I was on prep for like two years of it, two and a half years. But if you get to a certain point of like being on these hookup apps and everybody's like, let me see your hole or can I stick it in your hole? Like, uh, (laughs) it's really easy to feel objectified when the only word they're using is whole. Yeah, so I let a lot of dicks into my vagina and I'm also allergic to latex. So for me, barebacking was an economics and just a logistics kind of decision. Being on prep protected me from HIV, which I felt like was the one thing that was most important to protect my body against. Although I also got gonorrhea like three times and gonorrhea sucks. (laughs) Even asymptomatic, it really sucks. Mostly because I'm also allergic to penicillin, which is the best by far treatment for gonorrhea. And even for gonorrhea, you still need two injections of penicillin. You need two doses of penicillin and the first day dose of a Z-Pak, azithromycin, which is like two pills from the Z-Pak. And then if you're allergic to penicillin, then you get antibiotic that you get three injections of, one right right after the other, but they all have to go in different sites. So I got both shoulders and like one hip. And then you take like four azithromycin tablets, maybe three, more than what you'd do if you got penicillin. And then I felt I had a fever and felt ridiculously gross for five days. Are you happy where you are now? I think that I could be so sexually, like sex speaking, I think I could be more happy. But I think where I'm not as like happy or satisfied as I could be has like, it's like 100% me right now maybe 95% me, 5% some childhood stuff. But in terms of like healthy adult expression, I think that even childhood stuff, I just lump it into like, that's me. In three years of accepting almost any random dick that didn't call me a woman, because that was an immediate uh uh-uh, into my body, I've learned that I, I do have some standards. I have more standards than I've previously implemented. And I have for at least for cisgender men, I have some really high standards when it comes to respect. I think a lot of dudes assume that because they have a cock in general, like even if it's not very nice, 
but especially if it's a nice looking one, they don't seem to think that they need, or, you know, I could just stop and think, but they also don't seem to think that they need to be respectful of people, you know, like they're the top, they can just stick it in your hole, whatever. I mean, there's a lot of people who enjoy that. And there was a while where I kind of, I enjoyed it. I never had an orgasm that way. Like in the three years that I did that, not one person who came over gave me an orgasm. Yeah, I can do that for myself. And I did that for myself. And then it was like a little bit more athletic. So I got a bit euphoric just from that, like from getting my my blood pumping more. Yeah. And I find something really grounding about having something in my vagina. I much prefer like the grounding sensation, I think, is better when the thing inside me is a dildo, mostly because people attached to something that can go inside tend to not just want to sit there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you, you've had quite a journey. Your, your sexual journey has been mm-hmm. yeah. um, interesting. To, and, yeah. and I mean, hearing about it anyway, it's certainly interesting. Yeah. I, I would imagine that you feel the same way. Do you feel like you're still on a journey or do you feel like, you've, yeah. like you're good now? No, I think I'm still on a journey because I'm still, uh, my boyfriend asked me why I'm only talking about hooking up with men and like, aren't you open to women as lovers too? Well, theoretically, but I still have some trauma around women in my life. And I don't, yeah, that's, oof. yeah. So clearly- Uh, I think I have some more journey to go on that. And I don't think it'll end with me being like, you know, I'm never going to get with a woman again or anything like that. I'm not very good at like, I don't get attracted to this kind of person, because as soon as I say I don't, I'm already like finding reasons why that doesn't apply. So it's better for me to just not say that I'm closed off, especially like this group of people. I'm just, I'm working on closing myself off to people who are disrespectful. Hence the grinder name of no means no. I think some in my description, I write that if somebody says not interested, it's not an invitation to negotiate. Like it really means we're not interested. And the most argumentative are the ones who have in their profile. If you're not interested, just say so. Stop wasting my time, their time. And I'm like, well, then, you know, don't waste it back. Right. With this whole, you know, like, oh, baby, you'll love my whatever. I'm like, no, I probably won't. (laughs) (laughs) If only because I just said no. Therefore, Everything you say to try to get me to change that to a yes is just going to reinforce that no. I made that that initial decision of no was the correct one. (laughs) Because anybody who says, you know, like, no, I don't want to hook up tonight. And then the person's response is, oh, come on, it'll be quick. Or, you know, like, you've never had a tongue like mine. I was like, I've probably had 12 tongues like yours. There's very little spectacular about a different tongue. I mean, occasionally there is, but mostly that's like dedication and respect. And if you aren't listening to my no, you probably don't have enough respect. So, yeah. Yeah. All of that. 12 times over. I want to zip that out and make it its own little like 
That's yeah. brilliant. I want to start consent cast or something. Like a That'd be podcast fun. about consent. Except I don't really want consent education to be my crusade. I'm too right. I'm too old and burnt out for a crusade. I can't it's do not it. your thing. Yeah. It was once upon a time. Fair but- enough. But as you've demonstrated so nicely throughout <laughs> this entire podcast, people change. Mm-hmm. shift and grow and take on different things and put down yeah. other things and that is yeah yeah absolutely normal and and it's entirely possible in the next i don't know i'll say optimistically like 30 plus years of my life i could not be burnt out one can only hope it's <laughs> seriously so the last question that i ask everyone oh are you ready what excites you Ooh, obedience. Yeah. Well, that's why we didn't work out. Yeah. (laughs) I was just thinking that, actually. I was like, just in case you ever wondered, like, could Sean and I ever, like, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. But I really like obedience. You know, I don't like to fight to have a nice time. (laughs) I do not like to fight. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been really nice. This was fun. All right. When you were listening, did it prompt any thoughts about your sexual journey? Are you into the same things you were when you were younger? Most people shift and change over time. Has your identity transformed at all? If any of these questions or others came to mind, please let me know. I would really love to have more conversations about what's happening on the podcast. Speaking of which, if you are interested in having a recorded chat to share with folks about your sex life, now or then, please reach out. I'm happy to do so anonymously or not. It's entirely up to you. What's important to me is that we all feel accepted. By sharing your story... Even if you think it's boring, which I can guarantee it's not, we can do that. We can help other people feel good about who they are by being who we are. You can find me at whatexcitesus.com, earthlydesire.com, or on Facebook and Instagram as Sex Fairy Gwyn. That's Gwyn spelled G-W-Y-N. If you like the show, please tell a friend. And let's spread the good word about how a satisfying sex life can lead to a satisfying life overall. What Excites Us is produced, edited, and hosted by me, Gwyn Isaacs. All the music is used under a Creative Commons attribution license. This week it includes The Vendetta by Stephen Kartenberg, Let Me Talk Carol by Josh Woodward, Harmony by Polly Plus, and this track is Electric Type Writer by Sean, also known as Interrupt on SoundCloud. Tickle.life hosts this show and has lots of other great content about sex and sexuality in articles and other podcasts. Thanks for listening. Don't forget that you are loved. And I really, really appreciate you. Bye!